Hey everyone, welcome back to the second half of The Duck Knight Returns, where we finish off with issues three and four. Kitty and I are both going to share our final thoughts about the first arc as well. So we're just going to jump right back into the conversation, starting with issue three. Kitty, you might not remember this. One year we were at Otakon, and we were in the hotel room with, with the rest of the people we were rooming with at Otakon, and they had dropped the preview for issue three of the Darkwing Duck comic. And I was reading, they, they do like a little preview of the first three pages. And I was sitting on the bed, looking through it with my laptop, and I started screaming. And you were like, are you okay? Do you, do, do you remember this at all? Um, no, I'm sorry. I, don't. <laughs> I, don't. I remember I this. Of, I have vague like memories of you on your laptop, but I don't... I, the concern sounds familiar. I remember this <laughs> very well because it should not surprise you that this was a Negaduck-related uh, memory. I was going to say it was um, Jumbleye Jigs, <laughs> I guess. I'm well, very surprised. <laughs> so we're going to get some answers about what's been happening and why everybody is so, I don't know. Triggered. Yes. So... This was personally my favorite issue of the arc, and you're about to find out why. So, the negapocalypse. Yes. So. so, Launchpad helps DW. He bails them out. They fly off into the sky, and then we get this really awkward moment between Darkwing and Launchpad where they start arguing, and we find out that Darkwing kicked Launchpad out of the house after one incident, and they're just kind of you know, fighting about it. And then Goslin says, I think you guys are forgetting who the real bad guy was that day. And we head into a flashback. So we cut to the flashback of the incident. Basically, it's a regular morning in the Mallard household. They're eating breakfast at the Mallard residence. And then all of a sudden, Negaduck busts through their walls on a giant machine. And he introduces himself by saying, Hello, Mallard household. So nice to see you. Such a nice little home you have. I should know. I've been watching it for months. Wow. And sadly, this is never mentioned or expanded upon ever again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just throw this into the ether and you know what? Let's bury it. Like, why was he watching them for months? How, like, was he, like, standing, you know, like... My Valentine Ghoul standing across the street with the binoculars. <laughs> Absolutely. He was probably hiding in Herb's garbage cans. <laughs> and they just didn't notice? Oh. No, I would... The, yeah, yeah. Checks out. I mean... There, there was a lot of untapped potential here, I have to say, because they just... It never... They never bring it up or acknowledge it again, and that's... I don't know why. So... This, this is why I was screaming, Kitty, because this is the first time that we've ever seen Negaduck acknowledged that he knows Darkwing Duck's secret identity and attacked them at their home. There we go. It's a pretty big deal. You were screaming very much like they were screaming, probably. Yes. You were screaming, they were screaming, and there was not a, a drop of ice cream in sight. If only. If only. So Drake confronts Negaduck. He's like, you just made a big mistake. And Negaduck's like, you're the one who made the mistake. And he reveals that he figured out the connection between Darkwing's identity because of Launchpad. Negaduck apparently was taking his laundry to the worst dry cleaners in town. So I guess Negaduck does in fact clean his clothes sometimes. 
And he just throws a couple onions in the dryer with them. I would think so. He says he saw Launchpad walking out of the dry cleaners and Launchpad was holding Drake Mallard's clothes in his arms and he was also holding Darkwing Duck's costume in his arms because it's Launchpad and he's he would do that probably. Um but also I mean, I know this doesn't really matter. Negaduck literally lives in the same house with the same people in the Negaverse. Well, he does explain this. So Negaduck put two and two together, and he explains that he never had a secret identity. He didn't bother. So he just didn't consider the fact that Darkwing had one, too. That's his explanation. Okay. <laughs> I mean, sure. I mean, Neg- he still has to go. He still has to go to sleep somewhere at night. <laughs> I mean, he's also like, "Oh, that kind of looks like my buddy Launchpad. Where does my buddy Launchpad head?" Like, wait a second. <laughs> and then that's when he was standing across the street, uh, trying out everybody's garbage cans. Probably, probably. So, we get this shot of the Mallard family photo on the ground with the glass shattered. As Negaduck says, oh. "Too bad you couldn't keep your world separate." But bum, before. Bum. Before he can continue to murder the whole family, the crime bots roll in and they arrest him. Oh, I was going to hope for a Muddlefoot savior. If only. Are the Muddlefoots in this at all? A little bit. A little bit. Okay, good. I have something to look forward to. Not, Not enough, in my opinion. And in fact, I was looking, in order to chronicle this properly, I was looking through old messages and conversations. And I found a conversation where Aaron Sparrow messaged me and he he was telling me that he has to do like an eight page short Darkwing Duck comic, but he didn't have any ideas and he was asking me for suggestions. And the only response I gave him was more Muddlefoots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but imagine like is Herb super depressed in this too? Like is he angsty? Oh, we'll get there. No, no, we'll not there. no, but okay, we'll get there. So Oh, okay. <laughs> Now you're worried. I am. (laughs) (laughs) So we return to the present and Launchpad's like, oh, wait, that was the incident? I thought it was the shame you felt when we came in second place in the St. Canard superhero pageant. And he holds up a newspaper and it's titled Gizmoduck crowned best liked. And we see a picture of Gizmoduck smiling and waving with his arm around a very angry looking Darkwing. Yay. So... Uh, Darkwing starts to do more exposition about how Negaduck invading their home made him realize that he was living too dangerously. So he moved Goslin to one of the safest academies in the city, but he couldn't afford the tuition. And apparently he had a shush stipend that mysteriously vanished. So I guess this is to imply that he was getting paid by shush and that's why he didn't have a regular job. But it just stopped all of a sudden so he had to apply at Quackworks, and that took up all his free time and he no longer had time for like crime fighting somehow grizzly cough got into the accounting department and told them to cut him off that wouldn't shock me at all red friend has not to be coming to my birthday party. <laughs> his money now <laughs> this is gonna be the first time in several points throughout this series where goslin Slaps him across the face and yells at him. Wow. <laughs> and frankly, it's, okay. de- it's, it's usually deserved. But she starts lecturing him about how the phrase 
is let's get dangerous. It's not let's get dangerous until they find out where we live or let's get dangerous unless we can't afford it. <laughs> and Launchpad agrees. Darkwing Duck is filled with determination. <laughs> Darkwing Duck is back, baby. Oh, boy. So now we're back to the Fearsome Four. And Liquidator is mentioning how he was Quackworks. His job was that he was the water supply for Quackworks. So apparently, was everyone drinking him? Oh. That seems very cruel. It's, yeah. I mean, unless he likes it. He didn't seem to. He didn't seem to at all. And then, so the four are standing around, and they spot the thunder quack flying above. And then we hear the one and only swear word in this entire series. Where oh, can I guess what it is? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Hell? No. Is it worse than hell? Uh, I'd say on the same level. Mother- <laughs> <laughs> Megavolt can say f- <laughs> But only once. <laughs> <laughs> only once. Let <laughs> <laughs> but no. So Megavolt says, Where's he been? I bet he had a crappy office job all this time. Oh, crap. S- slipped okay. through the cracks because that shouldn't have been in there. But it got through. So I want to point out, though, that they could very easily get revenge on all of their bosses at once by blowing up the one building where all their bosses <laughs> live, or not live, but work. I guess they of could. Instead toy stores. Yeah. Anyway, go on. To be fair, it's the Fearsome Four, and I feel like they're not the smartest bunch when they're together. So What? <laughs> I'm not surprised. Shocking. So everyone piles into the Quacker Mobile, which is what I'm calling it. And Quackerjack forcefully uses Megavolt as a battery to power the car into a jet. And I need to point out to you that this is the first instance of many where we randomly get a weird flying, hovering vehicle in this series. It just, it reoccurs several times for some reason. By all our playsets and toys. So now they're in the air and they're tailing Darkwing and the gang. And they realize that the four are the ones attacking them because I guess Bushroot was throwing beets at them or something. And they're like, well, it must be the fearsome (laughs) four. (laughs) And so Launchpad's like, I'll just shake him off. And he starts, you know, trying to drive, fly through things and like elude them. Quackerjack says, ah, he wants a game of hide and seek. Well, two can play at that um, game of hide and seek because that's how it's played. (laughs) there we go and this of course all attracts the attention of the crime bots who give pursuit to both of the parties because they're like shooting lasers and all kinds of stuff is happening I bet you Busher's gonna beat them (laughs) Ah, there could have been a beat joke in there somewhere but no instead we're gonna head back to Honker who is now in what looks like a torture room slash medical office And the disembodied voice tells Honker that he has to repeat a word on the TV screen, or he has to say one thing. So there's this giant metal box in the corner that's locked up, and it's labeled Top Secret. Honker is looking at the screen, and he repeats several words. The first one is Aardvark. The second is Abozo, which I I looked up the definitions for some of these words. Abozo, which is the first draft of an art piece. Baciferous which means to produce or bear bearing berries. 
dactylomegaly, which is an abnormal enlargement of fingers or toes. Okay. Ways goose, uh, which apparently is... This is oddly specific, but it's a traditional holiday that marks the end of summer and the start of the season of working by candlelight. Ooh, romantic working. And then finally, the last word is zugmato, which apparently I could not find a definition for, so that might have actually been made up. Zugmato. Okay. But Honker complains. He was only asked to say one thing, and the voice replies, yes. And that one thing is the entire English language. Um, okay. So it's hinted at that Honker has to keep saying a bunch of words in the dictionary and something's supposed to happen with that top secret case that is in the corner. Like, it's supposed to react to the word. Oh, so, like, yeah, they're trying to find the code word by making a child say every word ever? Yes, it... it Seems like a solid plan. Yeah, trust me, we're, we're going to get there in the next issue, and... Oh, okay. So the TV in the room where Honker is picks up footage of the thunderquack, and the voice is like, I don't need you anymore. Bye! And just kind of gets rid of him. Quackerjack's car jet thing has transformed into a giant rainmaker with lightning, and okay. and it's it's like raining down upon the thunder quack, but they're so distracted that the crime bots corner them and they electrocute the quacker jet and everybody on there is zapped, and suddenly we're brought back to another flashback and this one is with Quacker Jack, where he accidentally stuck his fork in the toaster and electrocuted himself. <laughs> toaster negaduck and he was super pissed at it. <laughs> Is it a rule in the Dark Moon Deck universe that everybody has to have a vehicle that looks like their face? I'm going to say yes. It feels like you it's a really easy way to find your car in the mall shopping uh, parking lot. All right, so we're, we're heading into Quacker Jack's flashback, and it sends us back to an incident, and I shouldn't have to tell you that this is a Negaduck-related incident because everything that happens is Negaduck's fault. Let's be real here. So... The five have finished up a heist, kind of similar to the end, uh, the beginning of Life, the Negaverse, and everything, where they're counting their loot. And Negaduck is like, see ya, losers. And he takes his loot, and Quackerjack chases after him and points out that his portion of the loot seems a little unbalanced. And Negaduck explains that it has to be because he has a lot of stuff to buy, like flamethrowers, chainsaws, flaming chainsaw throwers, you know, the classics, because he's discovered Darkwing's secret identity. I feel like the perfect response to that in usual Negaduck fashion would have been not to explain it, but if Blacker Jack had said, you know, it's unbalanced, and then Negaduck would have been like, well, yeah, so are you, and just kept walking. <laughs> and then maybe hit him with the sack, which he, I think he yes. did technically in the episode. He sure did. So Quackerjack begs Negaduck to join him, and Negaduck grabs Mr. Banana Brain out of Quackerjack's hands, and he shreds Mr. Banana Brain into thousands of tiny pieces. Um, okay, so a couple, epi- a couple issues ago, he said that Quackerworks had, was the reason why he lost Mr. Banana Brain. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So, okay, I'm here. Yes. Making perfect sense. Continuity. Yes. Tadstones would be proud, I'm sure. 
As a single tear falls down his cheek. And then Negaduck, as he's ripping it apart, he says something like, face it, clown, you're just not mean enough for this job. This is a job fit for only the best villain in town. And then he takes off, and Quackerjack, there's like a, a panel of him down on his knees, looking down sadly at the torn pieces of Mr. Banana Brain. And then we're brought back to the present where Quackerjack is muttering. Gosh, <laughs> it sure would be a shame uh, to, you know, have a Quackerjack make a toy like, to sew it back together. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. build and every other thing, but he doesn't know how to work a needle and thread. Okay, all right. So Quackerjack's muttering to himself, I'll show Negaduck. I'll show the whole world mean enough. And then we back up and we see that he and all the, uh, the four and Launchpad and Goslin and Darkwing are all tied to those, like, dentisty torture chairs. So okay. They're being held prisoner. Then we see a mysterious silhouette that looms behind them with a glowing red eye. And the silhouette says, Negaduck. Ah, yes, one of your pathetic costume fools that used to run around this city like unsupervised children. And then we reveal the true mastermind behind it all, and it's Taurus Bulba. And he tells us that the only true way to gain power in this city is through corporate takeover. He's not totally wrong. Uh, he, I mean, he's not, but it doesn't seem very bulby. Yeah, because he was the opposite. He was like a, an, a crook, like a, a yeah. dirty crook, right? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, here we are. Decisions we're on, have been made. We're on to the final issue of The Duck Knight Returns, issue four. Hello. Gonna sweep this whole thing up. Him. Very satisfactory conclusion, I have no doubt. Yes. So we see that everyone is being kept on what appears to be a space station. Like it's above the city and you can see the shape of the planet. So they're high enough that they're not really in space, but they're really high is, I guess, what it's implying. Uh, okay. (laughs) And for some reason, Megavolt is now narrating the comic. Uh, But that's not really... (laughs) Okay. But it's but it's not made clear because like you're seeing the words, you know how they do like the little narrations for talking, mm-hmm. but you don't see the people mm-hmm. yet. So it's Megavolt, but we don't even know it immediately. And I I don't know. I, I think that was kind of poorly set up. Um, but he says, it's Taurus Bulba, one of the big shot bad guys, a real big shot, the guy behind my outage as a supervillain. I don't know what he meant by that. I guess he meant uh, being forced to be like a regular person working. Like, I don't know. But he says, well, no more, pal. I'm about to cut your power. And then Megavolt powers up and he zaps Bulba, which causes all the chairs to release their vice grip on everyone. And then we get this pretty cool two-page spread of Darkwing and Launchpad and Goslin and the Fearsome Four. And they're all beating the crap out of Bulba. Oh, Okay. The rest of the comic is rapid. <laughs> Everyone is letting loose and they're all shouting about the stuff that Bulba is responsible for. So Megavolt shouts about how he was stuck behind a desk filing papers and trying to place the face of his cube mate. Quackerjack talks about how his talents were wasted working for morons who were confused by the yo-yo. 
Liquidator says he had to listen to every insipid water cooler discussion because he was inside all the water coolers. Mm. Which again, yeah, very unfortunate for everybody involved in that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any winners there. And then Bushroot, who I think has the corniest line of them all, and I couldn't take it seriously, he says, I had to sit by and watch everyone let the plants in their workspace die. It was a massacre. No. <laughs> I was like, well, can, couldn't he just, just take care of them? Yeah. Like, couldn't he just water them? What was just his job? Just liquidator on them. Yeah. <laughs> was he in landscaping? Then I, it seems like you didn't do your job then, buddy. <laughs> And then Launchpad adds in with this list of complaints and says, you made St. Canard a heck of a lot less fun. Yeah. And, and Goslin, who, you know, has the most traumatic history with this person who murdered her grandfather, says, uh -huh. you kidnapped me, tried to get my grandfather's code for his invention. Darkwing beat you then and he'll beat you now. And I mean, that other time where you tried to kill me in Honker... Yes. So is he the he's the steerminator or is he He's the steerminator, yes. He's still okay. like robotic. So Bulba has had enough. He sends the the fearsome four down a chute and they land in the office where there's an HR bot waiting for them and the HR bot um, <laughs> When they were hanging over the trapdoor cuz that's how I imagined it happened. Did one of them go, "Oh shoot." No. Cuz they should have and then falling down the chute. Once again, missed opportunities, my friend. And also, I was thinking about this before, because you, you mentioned something that I was like, oh, that'd be an HR nightmare. Can it really be called human resources? I don't know. I don't know. It's okay, go ahead. Much go like ahead. Darkwing Duck at the beginning of this despondent thing, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, honey, I don't know. <laughs> so the HR bot tells them he's going to give them an employee evaluation of doom. And then we hear them all screaming in horror. And that's the last we see of oh. them for this issue. Oh, okay. And then Darkwing, Falcon punches Bulba. Goslin exclaims, keen gear. And for some reason, this causes the top secret metal case to react. What? <laughs> Uh, that's two words. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, oh. because apparently the only way this stuff can be done is through exposition, that makes no sense. A TV turns on in the middle of all this, and I forget the I forget the timeline of events here. But at this point, Bulba has either been punched away or he's been punched into a wall or something. But they start feeding us exposition be because Bulba apparently wrote a biopic about himself and it goes okay. into what happened to him. And it says that after an uncharacteristic mishap that destroyed his cyber body, which is never explained, Bulba oh. is somehow trapped in a blender invention created by Gyro Gearloose. But soon he masters the ability to transfer his consciousness into electronics. Again, this is never explained. Okay. So Bulba is a blender in Gyro's lab, and he rebuilds himself. But, but can you just, can we just pause <laughs> for a moment? Sure. So that we can soak in that sentence you just said. <laughs> Bulba is a blender in Gyro Gearloose's lab. I think it's called the Blendido. 
if I recall correctly. Oh, well, that makes more. <laughs> go ahead. That, that totally is. That's fine. Go. It makes <laughs> okay. much more sense. So also uh, the, the gizmo suit was in the lab at the same time, but Bulba discovers he can't seem to possess it for some reason. And I guess Gyro either tells him the code word, blathering blatherskite, or Bulba tries to use it and it doesn't work. But he steals the suit and he leaves. And Gyro's well, like... Is, is Gyro <laughs> openly conversing with a blender? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's Gyro, so I don't know. Yes. I, I mean, it's not completely out of the realm of Gyrodom, but I just wanted to make sure... <laughs> So, in my head that I'm picturing Gyro having an in-depth conversation with a blender about not stealing the gizmo suit. Well, he turns into into Bulba again because when he gains this ability to, uh, I guess, possess electronics, he pulls a bunch of stuff in the room together and he basically forms himself back into what looks like the Steerminator. Is Bulba's <laughs> head in the blender? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't understand. You're confused. How we got here? <laughs> like, is is so is Taurus Bulba in the place? Is is his head a blender? He is the blender. He is a blender, a talking blender. But then he pulls all this like spare parts of machinery in Gyro's lab to form himself again. <laughs> I don't know. So is he, is the blender the head of the steerminator? <laughs> no, he has his. He looks like the steerminator. Oh, so so the, the the suit thing looks like the steerminator, and he carries around a blender. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Basically, he, and like his head is like his regular bulba head with like half of it being electronic. So like I don't even uh-huh. know where the rest of his head came from. <laughs> Can he, like, pop the top of his helmet off and make a milkshake sometimes? The blender? It's the smoothie. The smoothie-nator. The blender is no longer. I don't understand what's happening. Okay, I need, Continue, oh, I need a minute. <sighs> Was the blender in the box? Is that what happened? She unlocked the box? The blender is no longer part of this. It's gone. Oh. Everything gets really weird. So, really, okay. So, Gyro, uh, I don't understand this at all. Like the the logic behind this. So, Gyro's like, well, I'm gonna change the password of the suit so you cannot use it because Bulba is like, well, if I can't use it, I need to find somebody that I can control and make them use the suit. And Gyro's like, well, I'm gonna change the code word. And then Bulba says, good. I hope you change the code word because. Uh, what was his logic here? Okay, yeah, he says, let him change the code. Then he can take over St. Canard and force everyone to say every word in the English language just to show what power really is. I mean, it's very bold to assume that it would even be an English word. Yeah. I feel like Gyro could have just thrown in Spanakopita and it would have been fine. I just, I don't understand that, like... If he could 
murder Gyro, essentially, or stop him from changing the code word, he could just find someone and have them say the code word he already knows. But instead, he let Gyro change it just so he had to go through the effort of, like, torturing Honker and making him say everything. He just loves to watch people read the dictionary. (laughs) But also... <laughs> what does he need the gizmo suit for? He just made a whole other he's just himself with a flesh head. He's not really man. that's not explained. It's just kind of implied that he because he can't possess it, he assumes it's powerful and he's gonna use it for something. He's obsessed with it. But the irony is that to do all this, he basically reveals it's that made out of an iron <laughs> He reveals that he formed Quackworks and used Quackworks to take over St. Canard just so he can gain access to the gizmo suit. But I feel like at that point, he's already taken over the city. He doesn't need the gizmo suit. He's already in charge. Oh, why would he? Why would the gizmo suit be there? Because he stole because it. This is, uh, um. So he has the suit, but he can't access it. So he... He right, for- but like if he so he makes this big police state just so he can sit in a room and rotate his blades while looking at a gizmo suit that he already has. Yes. Correct. Okay. <laughs> so so we find out the new code is Keen Gear. And Goslin had exclaimed it earlier, so the suit attaches to her and she becomes Gosmoduck. Okay. Taurus Bulba curses them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to censor so many words in this Please episode. Do. <laughs> with, with our Comet Guy censorship laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Goslin tries to fight off Bulba, um, but he captures her. Darkwing does his I am the terror line, which is I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the monkey wrench in the quack works. Uh. Bulba blasts a hole through the space station, which sends Darkwing dangling outside of it. And they're dangling like thousands of feet above the ground. So then we get this dramatic moment where Bulba is asking Darkwing if he's willing to die for everyone. And Darkwing looks up at him and says, gladly. Could fight back a little bit, but so Darkwing fires, I guess, his gas gun at Bulba, but it bounces off the wall, hits Bulba, which causes both of them to fall out of the space of station to their doom. But Launchpad oh. catches Darkwing with a thunder quack, and Bulba falls to the ground and lands, makes a pothole right in front of the Quackworks building. Clearly, the end of Darkly dons the duck. Yes, somewhat. Yeah. So everybody thinks that Bulba is dead because he was mooshed into the ground and he's, his electronics are all broken. But then he proclaims that he has fit the Quackworks building with nanotechnology. Ooh. And I have to tell you, this is not the last time we're going to randomly see nanotechnology used as a plot device. So he decides that he's going to destroy the whole city and Launchpad and Darkwing are dodging lasers Gosmoduck appears to rescue them. And then Goslin says she's discovered that the suit can override the crime bots, so she's going to plug it into Taurus Bulba because she could probably override him too. So she electrocutes him, but it electrocutes her as well. Bulba dies, quote-unquote, in the sense that like it shows the screen. 
goes black on his thing because now he's his head was like he was initially like Taurus Bulba and then I seem to recall that at some point he switched over and his head was a TV. But Goslin was also electrocuted and she's lying there like she's dead. And we get this dramatic moment of Darkwing dropping to his knees and pulling his daughter into his arms and crying. And he's like, oh no, Goslin. And then he says, you are always my superhero. And then she wakes up and says, likewise, dad. And then she hugs him back. And we get this beautiful father-daughter moment. And now we wrap things up. We cut to the conclusion of this arc. The government has decided that Quackworks is too big to fail. So rather than shut the whole thing down, they give it to Scrooge McDuck to oversee its restructuring. And the first thing Scrooge does is he removes the crime bots off the street, replaces them with cops. He uh, also starts offering incentives to competing businesses to help wean St. Canard's citizens back into working places other than Quackworks. And I'd just like to state for the record that he said ween, as in W-E-E-N. It should have been... Halloween? Yeah, like ween is spelt W-E-A-N, but whatever. (laughs) Um, Also, I think it's pretty um, old for whoever wrote this to assume that Scrooge McDuck would ever pay police officers if there was an automated way to do things. It it gets even better. Cheaper. Oh, good. Okay, yes. Good, good, good. Let's go. So we see Megavolt and Quackerjack are back in prison. Uh, Quackerjack is shouting about something, and one of the guards grabs his Mr. Banana Brain and rips it to shreds for no reason. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. He, now he can curse out the guard, too. I was about to say there's a blood feud against that guy. <laughs> then Scrooge announces that he's appointing a new CEO uh, to Quackworks. And DW, of course, thinks it's going to be him for some reason. I don't know why Darkwing would want to oversee an entire company full time. But no, he offers the job to Launchpad McQuack because he trusts Launchpad. Does no Scrooge ever. (laughs) I I feel like Scrooge would not do that because he would know that if he's going to lose money on this, why would he pick Launchpad of all people to risk, you know, finances and stuff? I mean, I guess if he's trying to crash it into the ground, then he's got his guy. Yeah, this is going to come full circle eventually. You will see. Uh, Goslin is sad because she knows she has to give back the gizmo suit, and Launchpad tells her she can hold on to it for a little while, and they agree that she can only use it in the case of a serious emergency. There is no mention of Fenton Crackshell or his whereabouts, by the way. We don't know why the gizmo suit is empty of its person like flash forward somewhere else to fenton yelling blathering blathering blatherskite at a a blender and being very confused (laughs) as oh don't worry we're gonna get there we're gonna get there eventually okay okay so so uh then we let's see here we get a happy little scene where gauze asks darkwing if she's still his superhero and darkwing says as long as i'm still yours and then you get like a little narrative commentary that's uh, over the top that's red and yellow. And it says, ah, so precious, but you know what? And then we cut to the last page and it's a Negaduck gazing into a crystal ball alongside Magicka Dispel. And he says, I just hate a happy ending. Bum, bum, bum. 
-hmm. And we also see that they're in a train station of some sort, and there's a map behind him that says Transdimensional Express Routes. So it gives us a hint of what's to come in the next arc, Crisis on Infinite Dark Wings. Um, so the last that we saw of Negaduck in this arc is that he got dragged away by the, the prime bots? Correct. Okay. And they will explain what happened to him after that, sort of. But I have to say, we are at the one hour and 35 minute mark. And we're, yeah. only, we're only through the first, first four issues. So yep. we could do this a few ways. We can do this, uh, I don't know, maybe one arc per episode. Yeah. Because I don't think I can go through all of this. I don't think either one of us can weather the the challenge of all of this in one go. It's too much. Yeah, we really shouldn't blend them all together. <laughs> I think we should keep these arcs separate so that I have a f uh, for a while to digest what, what I just heard. So what are and your thoughts? Come... Give us give us your final thoughts here, Kitty, since this is your first time hearing all this. Well, I think I made the right call in not reading it because I feel like I would have been extremely angry <laughs> if I had gotten to the end of this comic uh, arc. I liked hearing you tell me about it, <laughs> but it, it just doesn't really make any sense. I feel like as far as the everything concerned it just didn't i who wanted this <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i'm glad that somebody or i guess it was aaron was like i need to make a dark Dick comic because it would be great and it it you know it scratched an itch but also like what who did he who did he write it for who did they write it for because it didn't really seem to do anything as far as like appeasing the fans or doing anything that would have it be stand out on its own that would draw in new people it just seemed like here's some hackneyed things and we don't really explain who anybody is and we don't really do anything interesting except for make uh, quacker jack unnecessarily edgy but and it also it comes down to you had like the a-list villains in this story and still fell on taurus bulba as a blender to tie it all together. Like it could have really been so much more than what it was. It, like, even if it would just stuck to like the, the, the mystery of the office, like, and if it was just a new villain or somebody, you know, one of the villains that we know already just as the boss, but not in a, you know, kitschy kind of, and now she has it then he, because he wants to know the code words to the gizmo, they just threw everything at it and not in a way that seemed satisfying or even made any sense. Well, I'm here to grab the time turtle and tell you that back when this was released, everybody quite enjoyed it. But I also feel like, as we said at the beginning of this episode, we were starving for Darkwing Duck yes. content. And I, and I think we were willing to take what was given to us just to see our favorite characters again. And I mean, I was very happy to see Negaduck, even if it was in the flashbacks and then the surprise reveal at the end. All that stuff, like, I, I loved the artwork. I'll tell you that. Like, the artwork was great. Um, 
there was some funny lines and there was some good setup. So like, I wouldn't say like, I hated it. I remember at the time I quite enjoyed it, but I'm going to tell you right now that this is as good as it gets. It, oh, it, just, no. <laughs> it just continuously, in my opinion, oh, I should have done a disclaimer at the beginning because I didn't want to insult people who like the comics. Oh, do it now and then put it at the beginning when you edit it. Okay. Ahem. This is technically at the end of the episode, but I'm going to move it to the front of the episode. Disclaimer. Number one. Uh, I just want to say that I have no personal issues against anyone who wrote the comics or was responsible for the comics because there's parts, as Kitty and I work through this whole series, there's parts of this that I'm going to be incredibly critical about. And I just want to make it clear that I don't actually have any personal issues with any of the people involved. It's just me criticizing, you know, the content as a fan and where I wish it could have gone, that sort of thing. Uh, and the second thing is that if you enjoyed the comics, I think that's totally fine. Uh, there's a lot about the, the comics that I really liked. We'll get into it, though. Yeah. That's all I can say. If you if you like the comics, proceed with care because, uh, as I am currently future Kitty right now, I did not care for the comics, <laughs> so I'm sorry, dear friends. But I, if you like it, then just keep in mind that everybody has an opinion, and that it doesn't lessen your love of a thing if I don't necessarily care for it. But it can be special and good for you, and it's just not my slice of pie. So that is our disclaimer. Yes. Proceed with care. Do not hate us too much. One thing about a lot of this comic that is kind of weird is that Aaron Sparrow pitched it, and he wrote out a bunch of arcs, and he had it planned. But my understanding is that he was fired pretty early on, so Ian Brill was writing the comics so he did most of like the dialogue and the plotting and all that stuff James Silvani tried to help a little bit and tried to fix a few things but he's the artist so he only has so much power and what happened was Aaron Sparrow and James got a hold of the license and they rewrote they basically took these comics and they didn't change all of like the artwork, there's a few panels that get changed, but they rewrote a lot of it and they turned that into what's known as the definitively dangerous edition. So what we just discussed was as a definitive, definitively dangerous or was this the original cut? The original. This is the original Ian okay. Braille Boom Studios. We'll get to like, we'll, I'll talk much later down the road about the differences between the two because basically Aaron goes in and he can't change everything in the plot because they're not changing the artwork for it so you right. have to work yeah. within the panels but he changes the dialogue in a lot of places and he changes some of the motivation of the characters and stuff so this is definitely separate and there is kind of a debate among fans as to whether the Boom Studios version is better or worse than the Definitively Dangerous edition. Okie dokie. So there we have it. Because there's a lot of background drama to this whole thing with all the, the drama. A lot of controversy between the writers and who is responsible for what. Ian Brill claims he wrote and was responsible for some things. Aaron Sparrow says otherwise. There's a back and forth. But what we're going to see 
as I was telling you, is that in my opinion, in my opinion, it just gradually goes downhill. And I will, when we get to it, I'll tell you which issue was for me personally when I kind of, when I first read this stuff, I was like stars in my eyes. I couldn't find no wrong in anything because I was just like, ah, I'm a fan and I love every Darkwing Duck thing and I will accept every bit of Darkwing Duck content that is given to me. That, what what would you call that? Like amazement, rose tinted glasses? I don't know. So what. For me, I'm seeing this uh, as most things happen in my brain. I'm associating it with The Simpsons. <laughs> There's an episode of The Simpsons where Lisa is a vegetarian and Homer wants to have a pig roast in the backyard. So through mishaps and shenanigans, she pushes the pig down the street and Homer is chasing it. And he's just like, it's a little, it's just a little airborne. It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> I love and that episode. Running. So there's this whole thing. And then he's like, it falls into the the water. He's like, it's just a little. And then he finally is like, oh, because he can't justify that it's still good anymore. So that's, I feel like that's you and these comics. It's like, it's, it's a little, it could use a little work. It's still good. It's still good. Oh, they're, I see what they're doing. They're trying to do this. It's still good. It's still good. And you're just like, oh. That's exactly what happened, because by the time we get to, I think it's issue seven, that's when the magic wore off for me, and I was like, hmm. Ooh, that's not a very long run at all. Hmm. And, that's, and, <laughs> and that also uh, coincides, to be fair, with my bias, was that that wasn't too long after I went to New York Comic Con, and I started talking to the people involved with the comics and I started hearing a lot of the inside gossip and like just the background. So I think you got to see how the sausage was made. Yes. Yeah, so I think all of that combined, that's, that's about the point where I was like, I went from, Oh, you know, I'm enjoying this too. I, I, I don't like this. I'm not okay with this. I know too much. And I shouldn't have to tell you that what triggered it was a negaduck characterization type thing. Uh, He's he's very tricky to do right. The negaduck factor does not pull through in some parts of this. It pulls through for parts of it, definitely, like, just including him, like, brought up, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, a whole arc now that's going to have negaduck, and that really, I can't hate that. I can't hate all the beautiful negaduck panels that have been blessed upon me that I continue to gaze upon sometimes when I need the inspiration it gets you through the day yes with a sneer sneer and a snark yeah so we'll do crisis on infinite dark wings next week and that is have you what do you know i i feel like you have must know something about this one because there's always artwork about it online and like you know panels get posted do you know anything about it well i know that there is a bowling ball darkwing duck <laughs> And that there is a quiver wing duck. Yes. And that... Is this the one with the Cthulhu thing? No. Okay, then I don't know that about this one. Um, and that there's a Sailor Moon dark wing? Yes! <laughs> I, <laughs> I love how you remember it. that. <laughs> I feel like I've seen the splash page a bunch with all of them together looking very concerned about something. Um, and that I know it, it, it started 
the shipping of your two favorite characters, mm-hmm. Negaduck and Magicka Dispel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't I don't know much about this one, so I hope it's full of blenders. Stay tuned, everybody, because next week we're covering Crisis on Infinite Darkwings. But until then, crime doesn't read, and neither do we. Um, we do read. Sorry. Have a good day, and please don't let your blender possess you. For the love of God, don't say keen gear next to a blender. Sets him off. <laughs>